0: Welcome to the podcast of the Unitarian Universalist Area Church at First Parish in Sherbourne. No matter who you are, who you love, we welcome you into our community of religious seekers. Please join us for our Sunday worship services each week at 10.30 a.m. More information can be found on our website at uuac.org or visit our Facebook page at Sherborne Unitarian Universalist. Enjoy the sermon. Uh, Jess Jonas will be joining me to give us our reading this morning, which is entitled, 15 Reasons Why I'm Going to Get Vaccinated. And it was written by Andy Slavitt, who is the senior advisor to the Biden administration's COVID response team. Jess, you're muted.
1: <laughs> I'm going to take the vaccine for other people, younger kids, the 7% of immunocompromised adults, et cetera, who won't be able to take a vaccine early. If I don't take it, I'm endangering them. They are counting on us, or they in re- are in real danger.
0: Tens of thousands of brave, healthy people around the world agreed to participate in these clinical trials over 90% effectiveness compared to people who didn't that's frankly great it will honor their participation to follow and keep us from getting sick
1: the spike protein in the virus turned out to be an easy target for the vaccines to attack I don't know why I would want to get sick to get immunity
0: For long haulers, I have met and talked to so many of them. And they would tell you, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Take this vaccine. You don't want this virus.
1: I prefer science to Scott Atlas. Sorry, Scott. I'm not willing to let people get sick and just live their lives. Scott, you and your great Barrington manifesto are welcome to be last in line.
0: I love the 4th of July. Many Americans are going to barbecue either way, but many more of us will if it's safe. If 70 to 80% of us take the vaccine, you can pretty much invite anyone you want.
1: Because in the end, the US FDA, Food and Drug Administration avoided Trump's attempts to play politics with our safety. Thank you to the FDA career professionals.
0: Vaccines are our greatest inventions. As much as viruses are scourges and will always be here, vaccines are our friend. Before the measles vaccine, that disease killed millions of children every year.
1: Because now almost two and a half million deaths are too many. Let's stop this madness.
0: Because it will be a communal and healing experience to wait our turn, to make sure the people who need it the most get it first, to do something as a country all at once, to watch the herd immunity build in all of us, to crush this virus, we need to all do it together.
1: Because we will be the first generation to take a giant bite out of COVID-19 so other generations will have it easier. Stomp this thing out so the future doesn't have to worry about it nip this thing in the bud.
0: Because doctors and nurses have been carrying the load. Because essential workers are being abused. Because every moment we wait puts other people at risk. I'm vaccinating for them and it's literally the least I can do.
1: There looks to be early evidence that the vaccines likely reduce contagion.
0: Almost every complication shows up within two weeks. So far, the mild side effects are the ones you want.
1: If these vaccine candidates had failed, we would be in a tough spot. If we had 50% effective vaccines like influenza, we would have been disappointed. Immunity would have taken much longer.
0: And so in one sentence, vaccines are something we do for each other as much as we do it for ourselves.
2: Friends, here we are another week. Here's our world. Beautiful and terrible things will always happen. And so we need to keep our hearts tender and our eyes soft and our words true. Because this is what you and I are about. We know there is no answer but to love each other. We bear witness against unnecessary destruction. And then we gather here in this virtual community to practice being the person that we say we wanna be. We cannot do everything, but we can do something and that something is never nothing. So as Leonard Cohen reminds us, we can ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack in everything and that is how the light gets in. In January, an email went out from one of my Unitarian Universalist colleagues to the entire Massachusetts UU colleague listserv that read something like the following. Hey everybody, clergy are in phase one. And that even includes Unitarian Universalist ones. (laughs) Here's the number you can call, it said, and then follow the prompts and you can sign up. And so of course, being a listserv, when you hit reply all, which is why I don't normally belong to listservs, the email responses came fast and furious with the questions before teachers before seniors under 75, before communities of color. One colleague said, Can we donate our slot to others? Another colleague said, Should we mobilize and talk to our state representatives? Another said, Don't most of us just do Zoom at home anyway? Should we decline and then release a statement of protest? Now, As Emily well knows, the word protest is like a magnet for many clergy, especially UU ones. So pretty quick, a bunch of replies kept coming in saying, yeah, 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 yeah. So I was watching all of the emails come in and I closed the the lid of my laptop and I sighed and I stared out the window into the snow I'm an ex-Catholic, so the guilt that I have in me is like an overactive autoimmune response. I wonder, um, maybe Julia, the Andrews family, can tell me if there's a vaccine for that, for guilt, for overactive guilt. But right next to the guilt uh, that I was feeling from my resonance with my colleagues' voices about how vaccine justice might encourage me to decline the chance to get the shot. Right alongside that was another voice that remembered back to the many months I have been called by the funeral home here in Holliston, Chesmore Funeral Home, to say words over, I'm trying to think now, a grandmother, a son, a husband, and a mother inside the funeral home. So I'm thinking about that. And I'm also thinking about the times that um, I've been asked to go to the bedside of someone who's dying or is in hospice. Most recently, Maria Salomeo Schmidt and Dot Widmeyer, both of whom... Maria was in hospice, of course, and we lost her in January and Dot, who is still in hospice. And the voice of guilt that, that was in me is in me that says, you know, I um, should I get the vaccine, but maybe not. But then shouldn't shouldn't I go to their houses? Shouldn't I go see them? But aren't I putting myself at risk if I do that? Aren't I putting my family at risk if I do that? I mean, this is my vocation, not theirs. All these questions, these competing questions are happening inside me. And such are the complex competing guilts and harms that each of us have had to ask and live with since almost a year ago. Is it safe for our kids to go back to school? I don't know. Does it cause them harm to be isolated and at home? Yes. Can we ask teachers to take risks? No. Yes. Do we need to go to stores? Yes. Is it risky? Yes. Put on two masks, they say. Two? What changed? I thought it was one. Variants, okay. Can I see my family? No. Hugs? No. What about those who are alone and who ache for touch? What about when someone is about to die? No? Yes. I don't know. It's like what's right and what's right are competing for the same space. Do you know what I mean? They're both occupying the same space and then they collide together in a big crash. So thinking about all that and thinking about how Fauci told me, I feel like he told me personally, like he called me up and he said, Nathan, if you have the chance to take the vaccine, take the vaccine. So I took up my phone and I closed my laptop to my colleagues emails and I filed the prompts and I dialed the number. I filed the prompts and I left a voicemail with my name and my title and my church and my address and my number. We were told in the voicemail and the message to keep your phone with you at all times and expect a call back. Which I did, except for the 45 seconds that I went to the bathroom which naturally in this pandemic year was when the call came, of course. And because they don't leave a voicemail when they call you, you can't call back. So that meant that I had to go back to the back of the line and call again and leave my name and my number and my title. I was thinking, um, how fitting that in this week, after this year, saw the landing of the rover Perseverance, stick a landing on Mars after seven months of traveling, where it will now rove around for life. I was thinking, like, can I have what the rover's having? I want that. Because I need to look for signs of life, too. We all do. And the, and the vaccines are, are those things that point to life. So perseverance is what I think of as I pick up the phone and I call again, and I leave my name, as I said, and I explain on the voicemail that I was on the list and that you called me, but I, I went to the bathroom. I said in the voicemail, I went to the bathroom and I missed your call, <laughs> which is really too much information but I feel the need to explain myself and apologize to whoever is listening to me. Can you please call me back, please? Now, of course, I'm saying please twice. I've lost all sense of sitting on the fence. I'm on a mission now, like perseverance. Now, I think two and a half weeks went by. No call back. (laughs) Because I went to the bathroom, I'm not going to get the vaccine. Are you kidding me? Because I went to the bathroom. And the reason I don't take my phone in the bathroom is the last time I did that, I dropped it in the toilet. So this is why I don't take the phone into the bathroom anymore. But now it's why I'm not going to get the vaccine. So I go back to the status quo that most of us have tried to get used to. The status quo of patience. There's a word that we all hate now, I think. The word patience. Just wait. Just be patient. Just stay at home. Follow the rules. Just wait. Just be patient. Ugh. Waiting. Hey, I thought, you know, at least I wouldn't have to deal with the guilt of getting the vaccine now. At least that's off my back. But then, then my friends, early one morning on a Friday morning in February, my phone rings. Hello, is this Mr. Deterring? I don't even correct her. Yes, it is. This is Donna from Norwood Clinic. You called about a vaccine? Hell yes, I did, Donna, how you doing? How are you doing today? How's your day been? It's 7.30 in the morning. Her day's only just started. How was your day, she said. So I said, well, now my day is amazing. How are you? She's like, well, I just have one question. When can you come? And I say, Donna, I'm flexible. I'll come whenever you want me to come. You put me down for whatever. I will come whenever you want me to come. I have space. I have time. I even, Donna, have a little bit of patience. You tell me and I'll be there. Clearly, she found a chatty clergy person on her Friday morning call. And I was, I, was, I was telling her that I was, you know, able to come whenever and I could get in my car and drive whenever and I could leave work, quote unquote, and go over there to see her. In that instant, Friends, I became very aware of the vaccine privilege that my flexibility allows and spoke to and speaks to. I have to be honest. I have a car. I can drive to Norwood. I can quote unquote leave work whenever I want to because I pretty much can work anytime, all the time. I work from home. You have taught me, our church has taught me to be aware like that. Our faith is teaching us how privilege means not having to think about our privilege. And I am feeling shame about my unawareness before. Because there would have been a time, probably not that long ago, maybe even a few years ago, when Donna would have called me and I would not have even noticed or noted how so much of my ability to tell Donna, hey, I'm flexible, Donna, I'll come whenever you ask me to be there, really has nothing to do with me and has a lot more to do with luck and that I'm solidly solidly middle class, and I live in the suburbs, and I'm a white guy, and unlike our black siblings, I don't have reason to be legitimately reason to be suspicious of vaccines and doctors and healthcare, which is why that video was made, John Joe. I wouldn't even noted how for all of our country's issues, how. It's true that we have purchased 600 million doses already, which is double our almost double our population when other countries have zero. There would have been a time when I would not have noted the truth of that. So now as Donna's calling me and I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about that. I'm feeling that because I want to live in accordance with my values. And so that we might ask good questions of our leaders. Cause that's where love lives. I think that's where God lives on the sides and on the margins with people and not in the center Necessarily with somebody like me who can say, I'll just go whenever I'll be there. And so. The day came. It's Monday, February 8th. It's an ordinary, extraordinary Monday morning. It was cold upon cold, but I made sure to wear a short sleeve shirt so that I could lift up my fleece and give the nurse easy access to my arm. I even dressed up, which meant I didn't wear, I actually wore pants. I actually wore pants, like not pajama bottoms or lounge pants, I actually wore real pants that I literally haven't worn in a year, blue corduroys to get specific and I gave myself double the time to get there. And after so much anticipation and looking forward, I wanna explain what it looked like. Inside me, I had the vision of this place kind of like a vaccine Vegas, like bright lights and neons and pointing arrows and bells and whistles, but instead, on the outside, it was a brown brick blah of a building at the back of a cul-de-sac off of Route 1, with a little sandwich sign that said, COVID vaccine, this way. And So I followed the car ahead of me, and I looked in the rearview mirror at the car behind me, as we walked, as we rolled into the parking lot. In normal times, this would just be a parking lot. But now, this day, the parking lot feels honestly like the gateway to an afterlife. The life after this, what we're doing. The life of hope, the life of promise. So there's an Indian woman who was ahead of me, who was, had to be in her 80s, six feet ahead of me. And there was, there was a hipster bearded guy with blue scrubbed bottoms behind me. And as we're waiting in line, I couldn't help but think a lot about the second half of our Unitarian Universalist faith, the Universalist part. That promises salvation for all and no hell and no hell and no hell. And how God doesn't just select some of us, but in fact invites all of us into the gates of heaven. Now That's the religion that I believe in. But the truth is, is that in this vaccine moment. Vaccine privilege and vaccine access. The truth of it is is that only some of us get through the gate right now, and the rest of us are still living in purgatory. Are you with me? My relatives in Missouri, my sister in Texas, my son, my wife, my daughter, teachers. I'm looking at you, Emily, Jenny, India, maybe Janie, maybe Gail, maybe Bill, Katie. Some of us have been allowed into the gates while others of us are still in purgatory. And you know who else is in purgatory? Those who can't just get in the car. Those who um, have the patience—there's <laughs> the word again—to deal with the Massachusetts State website. Those who have a flexi, who don't have a flexi job, who can just leave. Those who live in redlined communities, who can't access Foxborough, Gillette Stadium, or Natick Mall, beginning tomorrow. I'm feeling and thinking all of these things, friends, as I roll up my sleeve when it's my turn. And as I did, I promised myself what I would do. I promised that I would preach this today. How I believe that the God of love wants us to tear down the gates of the pandemic, afterlife, so that we can all live. And what that means is welcoming the chance to get the vaccine when it comes and welcoming the gratitude that comes. But also, I think, looking around, looking ahead of us, looking behind us, looking to our right and looking to our left and asking ourselves, Who is not here? Why are they not here? Who can I tell? Is there anything I can do to bring others along? What responsibility does my opportunity bring? And last, how can I practice my gratitude? Friends, we are persevering together, you and I. We are wanting to have whatever the Rover is having as we embody and practice perseverance and waiting. And as we do, and as we each get our turn and our slot and our shot, I hope you will ask and answer these questions with me. Who is still waiting? Amen, amen.